he was the fastest car out there. That's, that's the one I had to take care of. Well, what happened? <laughs> what, what really happened was, is, uh, you know, in the second race, I was sixth. They put you as, because the fastest cars in the first heat got put to the back of the heat, so I took third. So they put me in sixth out of seven or eight or something like that. And so uh, in the first three laps, I'd gone all the way up to second. I'd passed all the way up to second. And I thought, I'm going to get stuck to the back of the thing on the, on the feature anyway, so I might as well win this one. I might as well, if I'm going to be in the back, I might as well win this race. So I take, the, the next time we go around the corner, I take the guy below, and, and, I, and I got in first. And as soon as I got into first, Jim flies by me. I mean, he just, he just flies. I mean, like, he had the fastest car out there, and he just went right past me. And then as we came into that corner, he came so fast, he drifted way high. So I thought, oh, so I dipped underneath him, and I was in first place going down the straightaway, and I thought, he's not getting around me again. Well, he didn't. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to stay low, and I'm, gonna, and, and I'm not taking my foot off the throttle. By that point, I wasn't it, it was just going as fast as you possibly can. So when I got there, and, and the whole time, whenever I'd put the floor, foot to the floor and didn't let go, I would drift way high within just a couple of feet of the outside wall. Well, he happened to be between me and the outside wall and just pushed him over. So... You know, it was not on purpose. It was the it was force of nature. It was it was physics, is what it was. Oh, and then I, <laughs> my daughter likes my, how I lost my wheel in the feature race the, the best was I hit that hit a rut and it, it I was going down the back straight and I could feel it wobbling. I went oh there you yeah, it's not going to last. And when I came around the third corner, uh, I felt my whole front end drop off. I thought, I lost my wheel completely. I didn't know it, but I lost my whole wheel. And I came to a stop, and all of a sudden, to the, out of the peripheral vision, I see my wheel, doom, 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 <laughs> up and over the wall. So it was fun. We had a blast. And uh, I want to thank my smoking hot wife for... Uh, <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> we got home last night, and I said, hey, honey, I thank you for coming and supporting me. She goes, I was not supporting you. <laughs> I was here, okay? I was there. She goes, I was praying. I was not, you know. So we'll, uh, we'll look forward maybe to next year. We'll see. It was fun. We had a blast. Thank you all for coming. Um, now to the real serious stuff. Um, I just want to have a couple of quick announcements. First of all is the Give is coming up the first week of September. Uh, what is the date on that? Is it the 9th? 8th. 8th. And you can start bringing things on Monday night. Uh, they're Actually, Monday. They're going to be here all day Monday. Uh, all day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. From... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you won't be here Monday. Okay, so Tuesday. Starting on Tuesday from 9 in the morning till... Okay, 9 to 3, 7 to 9, Tuesday and Wednesday. You can bring things, uh, bring it here, so on and so forth. We need help uh, sorting. We need help setting up. We need all kinds of help doing all kinds of things. And then uh, whatever is left over is going to uh, be going into the, into the, the group of stuff that's going to be being sent to Belarus. We're going to be sending a 20-foot container. Um, we, have, uh, been, we found out this last week how much shipping is going to be. It is very inexpensive. Uh, much better than we thought it was. We had been told it could cost anywhere between five to ten thousand dollars 
to send a, a, a container to uh, uh, Poland, is where the, the, the port we have to ship it to, and we receive, and, and then we would have to <clears throat> rent or buy a container on top of that, which could be two to five, two to five thousand. So it, the price was just, un, you know, we're, what we thought could happen was very high. We received back the bid, and we don't have to rent or buy. When we when we ship it, they they let us use their container. It's a group that uh, ships a lot of stuff overseas for missionaries, and it's they they gave us a price of forty three hundred dollars. So very very inexpensive, just wonderful. And so we're going to be uh, getting the clothes from uh, people helping people. Is that the name of the group, Pastor Dan? Out of uh, out of dresser. Yeah, and, it's, and the, the lady goes to the St. Croix Falls, uh, River Valley uh, Christian Church, St. Croix Falls, and then the, she runs that, and then they have a, an excess of clothes. Um, we're talking about how we're going to be um, sorting that and, and boxing that and all of that sort of thing, and uh, Mary Stevenson is uh, heading up that. Uh, uh, she's going to be, why don't you stand up real quick, Mary? I know you hate to do that, but uh, <laughs> that's Mary, so if anybody doesn't know Mary... She's going to be doing all of the coordination, all of the planning, all of the everything uh, with the volunteers and doing all of that work. Um, there's a couple of different possibilities how we're going to do it, but it's not going to be this coming week, but uh, next uh, weekend we may make an announcement, but it might be a couple of weeks. We figured out it's not going to take as long as we thought it might take to sort it and box it and get it ready to go, but be looking. Just want to let you know, be ready. Uh, because it sounds like the week that we do it, we'll be working you know, morning, day, morning, noon, and night to get it done as quickly as possible. We might actually bring the clothing here and do it here. So that is one of the possibilities. Um, that clothing, again, if you weren't here last week, uh, what we're going to be doing is we're shipping over a, a container of clothing. Uh, the church that we're affiliated with in Belarus, who financially, their, their economic situation is just grim there. Uh, last year, they, their uh, monetary system was devalued by 75%. Well, actually 50% and then another 50% uh, in two weeks. And so they, they just, there's no work there. There's, you know, they are by faith living day by day and uh, believing God to you know, continue to, to do things. They have it on their heart to start a clothing business. Uh, selling used clothing. Used clothing from America is still a better deal and a better quality than new clothing in Europe, in Eastern Europe anyway. And so um, we're going to be sending over, our, it's going to be our seed towards their business. Uh, we're going to be sending over and we're going to be paying for the first shipment. Um, for, you know, give it, the clothes will be free, the, the, the uh, shipping will be free, we'll take care of all of that. And then um, the future, when they continue, when they sell this load, then from then on they'll pay for their own shipping and those kinds of things. We'll do our part on this side as it'll be, as, it'll be our, our service to them. We'll be doing the, the boxing and the clothes gathering and stuff. They'll pay for all the, the parts from there as a business would. And so, um, you know, in the years to come or the time to come, that's what we'll do. But this first load, we're doing it as seed to get them started, to get them rolling. And so uh, be praying about that, you know, praying that all the stuff gets uh, taken care of. But Mary's going to be putting out some uh, information in the next couple of weeks talking about when we're going to be meeting, how, we're, how, the, how everything's going to be working. And uh, so if you have any questions, if you want to help, talk to Mary, and uh, she can uh, get all that information. Well, there probably will be a sign-up sheet at some point, but it just right now until we have more solid what's going on, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. So, Yes. No, bring everything you have for the garage, give. 
just like we would normally do. We'll let people around here. Because here's the thing. You know, yes, we have a heart for overseas, but we also have a heart for our own community. And so we don't want to lose sight of that. So we'll just, we'll just run the give like we would normally. And then usually we take whatever we have left and we take it to Salvation Army or whomever. Uh, this time we will use it for our own uh, thing going overseas. So we'll definitely do, do, the, do the give like we would normally do it, and then uh, the, the excess will go there. So. All right. But don't hold back. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. We joke about it every year that it never seems to be less clothes at the give every year. So I don't know where they keep coming from. But, uh, but also let your friends know. Friends, family members. Let other people know that if they want to bring you know, their stuff, there's more than enough opportunity to do that. And so uh, um, you know, spread the word. It's, uh, we could use whatever clothes that comes in. Amen? I think that's it. Oh, this week. The, uh, the staff will be uh, gone all week long, so the, there will be nobody here at the church. We will put on the answer machine uh, the phone number of where we'll be at, because our cell phones won't work. We'll be up where the kids will go to camp. We're doing a staff retreat at the beginning, and then at the end of the week, the men's retreat uh, is going to be at the same camp. And so uh, we'll put the number where we are at the camp for an emergency, any kind of emergency. Our cell phones won't work, but it, it will ring in-house up there, and so you can get a hold of us this week. All right? Let's pray, and we will receive our offering. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give. Lord, you bless us so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, that we are blessed. And Lord, I thank you that as we continue to, to sow seed, as, as we continue to give as you lead us uh, with a glad heart, with, a, with cheerful giving, Father, that you will meet the needs everywhere that uh, you, you're calling us to serve, both here and overseas. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, and thank you for blessing each giver, each gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we uh, started a sermon, which I thought would be done in, uh, in one week, and it was not. Um, and so turn with me again to Genesis chapter 37. <laughs> and I, did, I always put my, I always put my, uh, somebody got a Bible I could borrow? <laughs> I, I, I always, uh, <laughs> I always uh, put it in my notes, but last week I didn't because it was so long. Is this in like uh, some language I'm going to be able to speak? Okay, good. Genesis chapter 37. And I want to thank George for last week because last week he came up because I said, you know, Joseph was somewhere between 12 and 16. And he goes, if you would have started two verses earlier, you'd have known it was exactly 17. What was that goes in there? So he was exactly 17 years old. So we'll start with verse 1. And says, Jacob lived in a land. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah, Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. 
When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to them. Now, verse 5, Joseph had a dream. When God speaks to us, he speaks to us in so many different ways. And we said that last week, that he speaks to us in, in, uh, through the Bible, obviously. He speaks to us through a sermon. You may hear a sermon, and, and, and you might hear, uh, you know, be listening, and something just jumps out at you, something that just really touches your heart. And, uh, you know, that, it's funny, because I have people come up to me sometimes after services that go, you know, when you said this, it meant so much to me. And I'm thinking, I don't remember saying that. You know, because it isn't necessarily something that you intend to do. It's just something that the Holy Spirit intensifies or, 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 or uh, you know, uh, highlights that means something to you that it may not mean something to so that same thing to somebody else. That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can speak a rhema word to you when you, when you're not, when you, you don't think it's going to happen. And it might be through somebody you don't expect it to come from. Um, you know, I, I tell the story about that when I actually rededicated my life to the Lord. I mean, I was living for the devil. I mean, I was, I had been, I'd grown up in the church. I had lived, you know, I'd been born again at a very young age, four years old. I uh, lived for God for many years. When I went to college, I quit. You know, I kind of, I didn't, you know, I talk about, I don't, I didn't backslide. I turned around and ran back downhill. And I was living for the devil. I was just going as hard as I could, uh, living hard, you know, and doing all of those sort of things. And I was with a friend one day. And uh, this guy was not a Christian. He's still not a Christian. I met. I just saw him a few years ago. He's still not a believer. He was an out-and-out -out heathen. And we were sitting watching television, and, and it was, we were watching uh, Channel 2 and watching the nature program, and, and he goes, isn't that amazing? And I said, isn't what amazing? He goes, well, you know, uh, evolution, how evolution over millions of years created all life and everything we see. And I said, no, I said, I, I don't believe that. And he goes, really? Well, what do you believe? And I said, well, I believe that God created the, the heavens and the earth 6,000 years ago and that everything's exactly the same as it was now, or is now as it was back then. He looked at me, and I believe it was the voice of God. He says, John, how can you believe that and live the life you're living? That was a rhema word. You know, God used a donkey. Now, if you're watching this, Lowell, I'm not calling you a donkey. I'm not. I'm just not. <laughs> but he can use anything. He can use anybody. I've, you know, I've seen, I've seen uh, uh, th something on a billboard that just all of a sudden struck me a certain way, you know, or, or whatever it is. You know, and, and God can speak through individuals. He can speak through a song. When, when, I, you know, when I came back to the Lord... Um, when I came back to the Lord, I was really having a rough time because, you know, the devil kept beating me up. He's saying, well, you walked away from God. You sinned. You, you rejected God. He's not going to welcome you back. He doesn't have anything to do with you. You know, he, he doesn't want you back. He's mad at you. And I, I mean, you're going through that turmoil day and night because I want to serve God and I'm choosing to serve him. But at the same time, I'm reading scriptures and going, you know, if, if, if you've been once enlightened and you've tasted the good things, this is Ephesians 6, or Hebrews 6, one of those two, and it says, you know, if you've once tasted of the good things of God and you, and you turn away from that, there is no other hope. So I'm reading those things and the devil's making hay with that stuff and he's beating me up and I'm just like, what am I, you know, Lord, what am I going to do? I, I want to serve you, I want to be, but if I've missed it, if I've really screwed up, you know, I'm in trouble. And I went to church one Sunday morning 
And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just had this, this, this wave of, of remorse and, and fear come over me because I realized, not because of what I was dealing with, but I realized it was Children's Sunday. It was a joke. I am awful. But I realized it was Children's Sunday. I saw the puppet stage up front, and I went, oh, no. I should have, oh, it's Kids Sunday. What, oh, man. I wish I'd remembered to read the bulletin last week. Oh, great. Now I'm here. I can't walk out. I mean, everybody's going to see. I mean, you know, I'm here for Children's Sunday. Oh, great. And they started Children's Sunday, and the little kids got up and sang, and they're all so cute. And I'm like, then the next group got up, and I'm thinking, I have to sit. I mean, these things usually go long, too. I mean, oh, man. And then the puppet team got up, and oh, I mean, puppets are scary. I mean, they're just, you know, weird. You know, I mean, they're just. And the puppet team gets up and they start their skit. And the skit was the prodigal son. And as soon as they started doing, the power of God fell on me. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Revelation. Realizing that he loves me. That he, if I took one step back towards him, he comes running to me. Glory to God. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us in a lot of different ways. He just happened to speak to Joseph this way, this time through a dream. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him <laughs> all the more. You know, when God speaks to you, it doesn't mean people are going to jump and follow you and run alongside and help you. And Usually, when God tells you something and you share it with somebody else, their reaction is, Huh. Hmm. Good for you. <laughs> he said to them, listen to this dream. He wasn't very smart. Because his brothers already hated him. I'm sure they were very vocal about it, as brothers are. My, my, she's not here, I, she can't defend herself. Tally will say, why is Ethan so mean to me? He doesn't love me. And I was like, pfft. It's his job. He's a brother. <laughs> Brothers. I'm glad I was never that way. <laughs> no, you can't ask my brothers. <laughs> they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. He wasn't very smart. <clears throat> we were all binding sheaves of grain out of the field when suddenly... <clears throat> Excuse me. My sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. That wasn't bad enough. He had another dream. The next time he has a dream, he says, listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were all bowing down to me. Joseph had a problem. His problem was pride. He knew how to get his brothers. If there's anybody in the world that can just really push your buttons, it's your little brother. I had a little brother. I still have a little brother. I didn't do anything to him, really. Well, I did, but he made it. He survived. And, oh, he could just tick me off. I get these guys. I understand it. You know, if my little brother came up and says, I had a dream last night, you're going to bow down to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. 
Flesh, flesh, exactly. I, no, it's ministry, laying hands on him. You know, it's the, fi, it's the five-fold ministry right there, just laying hands on him. I get it. I get these guys. And so, so they, they immediately decide, let's kill him. We're done. End of the dreamer. That's, that, that's what they said. They said, let's kill him, and we'll see what happens to his dreams. But here's a lesson we can learn from this. If God says something, and I, I, have, I have reassured myself over and over and over again for years, if God says he'll do something, he'll do it. And I don't care what happens. I don't care if everything in the world comes against you. If everything in hell comes against you. If God says he'll do something, he'll do it. Even if you screw it up. He'll do it. As far as I can tell, the only way that it won't happen is if you quit. If you quit, if you say, I'm done, and you walk away. It's the only way. I'm convinced of it. I've seen it happen over and over and over. I mean, I've made mistakes and God's brought it back to the, to the center and to doing it. I was telling somebody this week, we were talking about this, and I, and I was just sharing that, you know, we were, they were talking about, asked me a couple questions about the sermon, and I said, hey, I said, you know, years ago, when I walked away from God, I literally, you know, here's the path that God had for me, I did this, headed in this direction. And for many years, walked in that direction, I mean, ran in that direction, took off in the exact opposite direction, and so when I came back to him, I thought, here was his plan for me, and I'm way over here somewhere. That was my, that, that's, what, that's the way I saw it, and it just, it just ate me up sometimes, because I, I would sit and think, where would I be right now if I had never walked away from God? And I was over, we were, it's when I was serving at Abundant Life, I was the, the associate pastor there, and Pastor Kevin Humphrey was preaching one morning. Here's another opportunity, you know, when somebody preaches something, or you hear something, in the, and it just ministers to you so deeply, it's God speaking to you. I'm, I'm sitting there, and he's talking about God being a restorating God, a restorative God, and that he restores us back to where he calls us, and he's talking in all these sermons, and, and my mind started to drift, as all of yours are right now. You're off onto something else. I'm okay with that. I get it. I know how God works. He'll get you anyway. No problem. So my mind had drifted, and I was sitting there going, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. I'm repenting. I'm going, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry because if, if I had made this choice and that choice, and I hadn't made this choice and that choice, if I hadn't walked so far off your path, I mean, that's where I was supposed to be, and I'm sure I'm somewhere way over here. And when I said that, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking that, and all of a sudden, what come, all of a sudden, you know, his sermon actually does come through, hits me, and it, was, it had the anointing on it. He says, God can bring, even if you make all the mistakes in the world, God can bring you back exactly where you were, are supposed to be today. And it just hit me. Where would I be? If I, if I had made every right choice down the road, if I had made every right decision, if I had never strayed, if I had never screwed up, where would I be? And at that moment I said, I'd be sitting right here, right now. God can restore what's been stolen. God can restore 
what's been lost. You don't have to sit there and dread, you know, what, oh, where would I be? Where would my family be? Where would my kids be? Where would, where, oh, this, well, my life would be so much different. No, it wouldn't. You'd be right where you're supposed to be. And we see that in Joseph. Joseph screwed up. What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to humble himself, keep his mouth shut, and live. Walk out day to day what he's supposed to do, serve God, honor him, obey, not tell the brothers, not rub it in their faces, not needle them with it. Not, and, but what happens is he screws up and he goes, guess what I'm going to do? Someday I'm going to rule over you. And they go, no you're not, kill him. Praise God. See, God already has a plan. Immediately, Reuben, the oldest, goes, can't, don't kill him, let's sell him into slavery. No, he didn't say that. He said, throw him in the pit. He was going to save him later. Judah. Judah says, let's sell him. Interesting how God works. You know that the bloodline of Jesus goes through Judah? Interesting. God can use all kinds of screw-ups, like you. Let's don't kill him. Let's sell him. Let's like let's make a little money off this. Dip the dip the clo- the cloak in a, in blood and give it to the da- give it to dad. I mean, can you imagine the heart wrenching moment when you when the dad gets a blood soaked coat? I'd be real proud of myself if I did that to my dad. These guys were these guys were pretty mad. Every day it seems like Joseph is getting farther and farther away from God's plan for his life. He not only gets sold into slavery, last week we talked about he gets sold into slavery, starts to rise. Think, you know, he's one of Potiphar's, he's Potiphar's leading guy. He's the head of the household. Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's uh, uh, officials. He was one of the head guys in, in all of Egypt. So, you know, that's not a bad gig. If you're going to be a slave, you might as well be the head of the household under, with a whole bunch of slaves underneath you. Okay, you can live pretty well. You probably get married, you probably have kids, you probably have a life. Hey, that's not so bad. Well, until your coworker, well, Potiphar's wife, stabs you in the back. Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody here, because it's on camera, somebody might, from your office place might see it. Somebody ever have anybody in your workplace, don't raise your hand, Pastor Greg, <laughs> stab you in the back. It happens. It's a dog-eat-dog dog world out there. Pastor, Pastor Jim from E Free knows exactly what I mean. Somebody could just run you off the road when you least expect it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really am sorry. Please forgive me. Somebody comes along, and you know, nothing worse than you. God gives you a dream. You think that God's leading you in a certain direction. And what if somebody else does something to stab you in the back and wreck your whole chances? That's what happened to Joseph. Can God restore even if somebody else sabotages. I mean, you, you, you're in your workplace, you're working along, you're, you're moving up, your things are happening, and all of a sudden somebody throws a wrench into your plans. You didn't even do it to yourself this time. You learned from that one. You didn't do it to yourself. Now somebody else does it to you. God can even restore that. But, but it didn't look like it right at the moment. At the moment, it, got, it, got, it went from bad to much worse. We were talking about last week, there's, there's some lessons we can learn about Joseph all the way through here. Here's another one of those lessons. If you're following God, if you're doing exactly what God tells you to do, could things go from bad to worse? Absolutely. 
You don't want it to. We think, if I'm following God, he'll just take me from glory to glory to glory. Sounds great on paper, but it ain't going to work. Why? Uh, somebody sent me, actually Dan and Marta, Marta Lewis sent me a, a thing from, from um, uh, Renner, Rick Renner, Sparkling Gems. Does anybody have that book? Anybody read that book? Yeah. This week, the sparkling gem for one, one of it was, you know, when you're doing something from God, why do you get attacked so much? And he goes about, talks about the life of Paul. That Paul, I mean, the guy was shipwrecked, I think, two or three times. He was whipped, he was stoned, he was left to die. I mean, he was all these things. He was, you know, people would come and, and he would preach in one town. Somebody would come behind him and, and, and just stir up trouble and turn people away. I mean, if you're doing something for God, why do you get attacked so much? Is, or, or maybe I'm doing something wrong. Have you ever thought that? Well, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this because if I was, do, if I was doing what God told me to do, this would be easy. Eh, wrong decision or wrong idea. If you're really doing something from God, Satan hates it. And he's going to do everything in his power to destroy it. He's going to try to kill you. Pastor Greg won the, his trophy for the best crash. <laughs> well, how did it say that? Crashing for Christ. My, my trophy is I, I, it's for uh, uh, suspended driver's license. For, uh... <laughs> but when I heard that he, uh, he got the, uh, the trophy for the best crash, I thought really it should go to Jane. Uh, Jane, great happened this week. If you saw, Jane was in an accident this week, totaled a, it was not her fault, she was sitting still. And somebody fell asleep behind her and plowed into the back and told her, praise God for safety. Thank you, Jesus, for safety. But why does things like that happen? Well, part of it, we live in a fallen world and stuff happens. But part of it is Satan hates the anointing on your life and the call on your life, and he's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to do everything in his power to keep you, because if he doesn't do that, what would happen if you were completely unfettered and you just were able to run at full speed? He hates you. So if bad stuff's happening, most of the time you should be going, Paul says it. He says, rejoice. Consider it all joy when you go through various trials. Yes, George. <laughs> Amen. Did you hear that? You didn't hear that? He says, if you keep on having head-on collisions with the devil, you're headed in the right direction. That makes sense. So Joseph has a head-on collision with the devil. He, he, his, his co-worker, his, his, you know, the wife's, or the boss's wife, falsely accuses him. It was a lie. It was a false, I mean, he didn't even do it. I mean, he was faithful. He was honest. He was all these things. He was doing everything right this time, and it, and it still had an opportunity to be de derailed. And it went from bad to worse. He went from, from slave to prisoner. And I've heard accounts of what, what prisons were like in Egypt. Bad. I mean, you can't even imagine. They, there was no prison reform going on in, in Egypt. They couldn't care less about prisoners. Could you imagine the first night? I mean, that's the thing. We read these stories and seven years passes and 15 years passes and all these things. But that first night in jail after going, God, 
I have been, this time I didn't do it. This time I'm doing everything right. What, where are you, God? Do you think he had opportunity to do that? Absolutely he did. But he begins to be, you know, continue to be faithful where he's at. He begins to serve in that prison, wherever he is. And the, the prison guard or the prison warden sees it and starts to reward him. He starts moving him up the ladder. By the time we hear about Joseph again, he's the head of all the prison. The warden doesn't even have to think about running it. Joseph's running it. He's honest. He's integrous. He's, he's working hard. That's our goal. Whatever state we're in, wherever we're at right now, whatever, God, whatever situation God has us in right at this moment, you be faithful there. And you give it all. You give it I mean, I don't care if it's horrible conditions. Oh, God, you can't possibly want me to be in this job. This job stinks. This job is hard. Nobody here likes me. You ever felt that way? <laughs> Quit putting your hand up, Pastor Greg. Stop it. <laughs> we'll have a talk later this week. <laughs> but you may be in the exact right job where he's calling you to be. And in that, be faithful and you'll have honor. You'll, you will receive the reward from God. Maybe not, you know, maybe a promotion within that place. Who knows? But you keep being faithful. So that's where we left off last week. Chapter 40. Go with me to chapter 40 real quick. Let's, start, let's go to 39.23. 39.23 is where it says, The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And then verse chapter 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker and the king, of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the garden assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, who knows how long, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, were, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in the custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. Goes on to talk about his dream. They both each share their dreams. And God gives Joseph the interpretation. Now, Joseph doesn't know this. I mean, he might suspect something that, wow, okay, now I have, I have somebody who, who hears, because you know, one of the, the officials gets a good, has a good dream that in two days he's going to be elevated. He's going to be released from prison. He's going to be put back into his position. The other one has a bad dream. That dream, two days from now, you're going to get your head cut off. Sorry, bud. It's not good to tell somebody the interpretation of a bad dream. 
But he's, he's honest. He's, he's forthright. He tells him straight up. But he tells the one who has the good dream, he says, oh, by the way, when you get released, remember me. Because he knows the guy is going to be released into the presence of Pharaoh. Hey, remember me, man. Remember I was a nice guy. Remember, you know, you can do something for me. You can help me out here. So two days pass. The, the, the guards come. They grab, they take both officials. The one gets his head cut off. The other one gets elevated, gets put back into his main position. And Joseph's thinking, yes! I mean, we're talking days, maybe a couple of weeks. I'm out of here. I'm good. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm out of here. Woo! And then we get to this verse. I hate this verse. Do, 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 do. Where is it? 23? Is it where it says, oh yeah, verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Oh man. I was that close. Many times when we're going through life and, and we're, we're moving through stuff, I know it happens to me, so it must happen to everybody else. You're moving through and you're thinking, how is God ever going to fulfill this? How is God ever going to make this happen? How is this ever going to work? And you think, oh, then all of a sudden you have this glimmer of hope. Well, it could happen this way. And you get your hope up, you get all built up, and they go, you know, and, and I, what makes me think of this the most is like your kids. You know, I mean, I I've, I've, was a youth pastor for many years, worked with a lot of families, worked, and, you know, and parents are afraid, you know, concerned about their kids. Their kids are headed in the wrong direction. And they're thinking, and all of a sudden you see a little glimmer of hope. And you think, oh, maybe now, maybe this is the opportunity where you're going to see, we're going to see them turn back to God and start living for God. And then, then something happens and you go, oh, never mind. It happens. Because we don't put our hope in what might happen. We, we, put our hope, we put our hope in that God will do something. God will turn this around. I don't know how. I don't know when. That's the problem. You, you, just, you want it to be You want it to be now. You want it to be this moment. Now, I'm going to tell a story. And Pastor Dan is here. He can confirm it because he was a part of this story. Last week I told a story about when I had started, I was working as a youth pastor and, I, and the Lord told me that I was going to be something else. They said I was going to be the administrator of the church over at Abundant Life. And so uh, it was two full years. Two, two years passed and, and on, a, on a golf course, Pastor Kevin says, you know, out of the blue, because I had never said it to anybody except Deb, Pastor Kevin looks at me and he goes, do you want to be the administrator of the church? Boom. That was that, that was that, ah, moment. And so, I mean, that was exciting. That was wonderful. I was so happy. I mean, God did it. You know, and a couple weeks later, I was announced, you know, he's going to be the administrator of the church. I went and stepped into that new position. We shuffled everybody around, and I started doing that job. I was so excited, and I came to work, and I came to my office, and, and, and uh, what I would do is I'd get to my office, I'd make sure everything was set up, and then I'd just spend some time in prayer. And I was just, you know, I, was, I got sat down that day, and I was like, God, thank you. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. You're so wonderful. And I just started praying it out, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, you're, you're going to change jobs. And I went, what? I'm going to change jobs? I just got this job. I didn't want this job to begin with. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to be a youth pastor my whole life. 
So then I, I finally gave into that. Okay, so now I'm going to be the administrator. I could be an administrator. I could be second or third. I don't care. I didn't really care if I was the, the head guy. You know, I, I was like, no. No, I don't want to change up. I want to do this job well. That's what my heart was. And, he, and the Lord says, you're not only going to change jobs, you're going to be at the top. You're going to be the senior pastor of a church in a, in a, in very soon. And I was like, no, I don't want to be the senior pastor. You know how, how, how much of a pain of being a senior pastor is? There's nothing better than being second because you can go, it's not my fault. He did it. I don't know. It's just... I was mad for weeks. I was like, no. No, I don't want to be the senior pastor. I want, I'm, I want to do what I'm doing well. I don't want to climb the corporate ladder. I don't, that's not why I'm doing this. I want to serve where I'm at. I was upset. And I, did, I was, uh, you know, I was, ugh. But, you know, after a few weeks, I was like, fine. God, do whatever you want to do. That's fine. And the next two years were the hardest of my life at that time. It was, it, was, it was tough because on one side, I was doing what I was doing because I didn't tell anybody. I told Deb. Deb and I were the only ones that knew about it. I didn't say anything to anybody because what the Lord had said is, you're going to be the senior pastor. And, I, and immediately my thought is, Pastor Kevin, because what, what, what was said was, somebody's going to leave and you're going to take their place. And then you're going to be the senior pastor. And I thought, oh. I don't want to take Pastor Kevin's job. I like Pastor Kevin. I love Pastor Kevin. I don't want to take his job. I don't want to run him into the wall. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I was really, and, and about halfway through, about a year into it, I was going to quit. I was going to quit. I was going to, I was going to quit my job. I was going to resign my job. We were going to move. I was like, that's it. I'm moving somewhere else because I'm not going to, because I had seen guys who were second cause whole church splits. I was like, I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. I will not do it. I'm, I'm, I will not, I'm going to quit. So I was, I was building up confidence to, to walk into Pastor Kevin's and I had a plan. I was going to go to Idaho. I was going to start a coffee house. Idaho. Yeah, I don't know. Let's go back to Egypt. You know, you wonder why these guys, you know, they, we don't think very straight. You know, but I had this plan. I was going to do this. And then Pastor Kevin came. I had received this flyer uh, for this, this conference, and I had looked at it. And I thought, eh, I should probably go. I don't want to go. Crumpled it up, threw it away. The next day, Pastor Kevin walks in with his copy, and he goes, hey, I want you to go to this conference. I can't go, but I want you to go. I was like, oh. I don't want to, it's the same conference, I don't want to go to this conference, because basically I want to, I want to leave, I want to quit, I'm out of here, I'm going to, in a couple, okay, I'm going to build this, I'm going to, okay, Deb, I'm going to get ready to tell him, I'm going to quit. Well, I go to the conference. The conference is the first place that I ever met Robin Roberts. It was at that meeting that he gets up and starts telling his testimony about how God moved him from place to place and changed his jobs. And sometimes it was lateral moves that didn't make any sense and just weird, you know, he goes, I don't know why I'm sharing this tonight, but I feel like I'm supposed to share this. And just talking about how God leads us and to just, just follow him and do what he tells you to do. Don't get it, you know, don't get crazy with it. You know, don't do any of this kind of stuff. And, and, and uh, so he's preaching this whole thing and in the middle of it, God speaks to my heart and says, he's going to give an altar call and when he does... I want you to go forward. So, I mean, I had a word from the Lord, go forward. If he, when he gives an altar call, I didn't know if he was going to, but God says, when he gives an altar call, go forward. Well, he comes to the altar call part, and these are all pastors, guys that I know. People are friends, people that we hang out with, you know, have hung out with for, you know, for years, and everybody knows me. So he stands up and he goes, you know, he says, I just feel led to have an altar call. And the altar call is for this. Anybody who feels like leaving the ministry, stand up. 
I'm thinking, oh, you are kidding me. All these guys know Pastor Kevin, and I'm going to still go, I want to quit the ministry, you know. I didn't want to quit the ministry. I wanted to quit that ministry, okay. I was going to get out. I was going to leave there. So, but being obedient to the Holy Ghost, you be obedient whatever he tells you to do, I stood up and I went forward. And there was about eight guys in line. There was, there was like five in front of me and myself and then two on the other side. Five of us standing there and I'm thinking, oh, crud. Oh, crud. You know, shoot. And, and we, he starts at the far end and he walks up to the first guy and he says, so what do you do in the ministry? And the guy goes, oh, I'm the senior pastor at such and such a church, so on and so forth. And he goes, oh, that's nice. And moved to the next guy. What do you do? And he goes, well, I'm the senior pastor at such and such a church. He goes, oh, wonderful. And he moved to the next guy. All five guys. He says, what do you do? I'm the senior pastor of such and such a church. He goes, oh, that's nice. And stepped step to the next person. He's standing in front of me. And he goes, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm the associate pastor of a church in Wisconsin. He goes, oh, okay. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> he says, life is like a football game. He says, you're standing on the sidelines side going, God, when, or, you know, uh, coach, when are you going to put me in? Coach, when are you going to put me in? Coach, coach, co I can play, coach. Coach, when are you going to put me in? Coach, when are you going to put me in? But if the coach doesn't put you in when you think he should put you in, don't take off the uniform and walk. He says, if you're not ready, because just, just after you walk, he's going to need you. Stay right where you are. Don't move. And he looked me in the eyes and he says, do you get what I mean? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I get what you mean. He looks at me and he goes, now are you sure? You got what I mean, right? I said, yes, sir, I, I get what you mean. And he gets a little closer, he gets right in my face and he goes, do you understand me? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir, I understand you. Okay. And he went and he prayed for everybody else, but it was like he needed me to stay. God needed me to stand still. There are times when you obey, even if it doesn't make sense. So time goes on. That next year, I thought, oh, then that was when I was driving home back to the, or driving back to the apartment, or back to the hotel that night where I was staying. The Lord spoke to my heart, and he says, this is going to happen within 18 months. The next 18 months was, and I'm sorry, but it's the truth, it was living hell. Not because of something he did. It wasn't Pastor Kevin. It wasn't the church. I love Pastor Kevin. I love that church. It wasn't any of that. It was what was going on inside of here and what was going on inside of here. Because everything fought against that. Everything made me want to quit. Everything made me want to give up. And by just sheer determination and the grace of God, I said, I will not quit. I will not quit. I will keep doing this. A number of things happened. I mean, I could tell you all the details. It was amazing what God did over that 18 months. But one day, I just, we had just finished a project over at Abundant Life, and I, went, we, I had been working morning, noon, and night. We were doing a build-out on the building, and we got it all completed. I went back to my office, and I had this stack of magazines on my desk, and I was going to sit down and start going through them because I hadn't looked at them all summer. And Pastor Kevin walked in my office, and he says, Hey, Pastor John, I just got a call from Pastor Dan Dennison. He wants to talk to you about a, a possible job opportunity, and he says, I'm telling you, I want you to talk to him. He says, I think it's a good idea to at least hear him out. So I met with Pastor Dan, and he said, Pastor Dan says, my associate pastor here, my, my youth pastor is going to be leaving. I want to hire you to be an associate pastor. 
would you be willing? Exactly what God had said to me two years before. He said, somebody's going to leave and you're going to take their position. But it wasn't senior pastor. That was the weird thing. Was it, wasn't, so it was this lateral side move that it didn't make any sense. But God, when, as soon as he said it, God said, take, you're going to take it. And a number of things happened and we came here. Now, I'm, I'm, well, I guess I'm, I got all kinds of time. I, this, is, this is happening, and I'm reading these verses. These are the verses I'm reading at that moment, when all this is happening. These are, the, these are the verses I'm reading that week. And I get to this verse where uh, the, you know, all these things happen, and I'm reading that going, oh, that's what I'm living. It's like, oh, here's the breakthrough. Here's, the, here's where it's going to happen. And then I hit verse 23. It says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And I read the next verse, verse, or chapter 41, verse 1, and it says, When two full years had passed, when two full years had passed, when I read that, my heart just sunk. I was like, what? I thought you said that once I get into this position, I'll, that I'm going to be the senior pastor. Well, Pastor Dan was a senior pastor. And I was like, two full years? I had just gone through two full years, and then I went through another two full years. I have to go through another two full years in prison? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it wasn't about him. It wasn't about, it wasn't about uh, the congregation. It was about what was happening here and what was happening here. It felt like I was in prison. What happens when you're in prison? What's it like? Awful. Terrible. You can't get out. You can't get out of prison. You, know that you don't just say, I'm done. I'm good. I figured out. I, I learned all my lessons. I'm out of here. You don't get to do that. You don't get out until someone lets you out. And... This was the this is part of that same for, for that same first verse of 41 when two full years had passed Pharaoh had a dream Pharaoh had a dream that is to me in my life our walk mine and Deb's walk that verse is one of the most powerful verses in our lives because for 2 years no matter what happened, no matter what, the, you know, what was happening in our heads, what, whatever was happening, and, and no matter what we felt, no matter, we kept looking at each other. Many times she would look at me or I would look at her and say, two full years, Pharaoh's having a dream. <laughs> we would say it, we'd encourage each other with it. Pharaoh's going to have a dream. Pharaoh's going to have a dream. Oh, what I forgot to tell you was, when Pastor Dan came to me, asked me if I wanted the job, we talked about it for about a week, and then we... And then I accepted, and then it was another week. I asked oh yeah, you talked to Pastor Kevin. Yeah, because he had came in and asked, you know, came in and told me about it. The first Sunday I started here, the first Sunday I started here, and I, and I, I he actually had me preach that morning. I was getting ready to preach, and the Lord says, "Look at the calendar." The calendar was 18 months to the day when the Lord had spoke to me. Two full years of just staying faithful, serving, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, knowing, because I never told Pastor Dan, well, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to be the senior pastor someday, <laughs> just, just to let you know. 
You don't do that to people. You don't walk into your boss and go, I had a dream last night that you were uh, going to be moving on and I'm going to be in your place. Now, he may have said that to you, but you don't tell people that. Hello. You be faithful right where you're at. You be faithful. 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 And at, during that time, that was one of the things, there's a number of things that I confessed during that time. I, one of the things I said was, Lord, I am going to be faithful to what you said. I will be faithful, but here's what I want. I want faithful people to surround me. And you people are some of the most faithful people I've ever met in my life. God is good. It is worth it to be faithful to his call. It is worth it. Because I don't know about the exact dates, but two full years, one day, Pastor Dan, I didn't even, I was not even expecting it. I was sitting in my office right over here. He walks in and he says, Pastor John, Pastor Claudia and I have been praying. The Lord has spoke to us. We're going to leave. And we want you to be the senior pastor. He's faithful. He's faithful to do exactly what he said he would do. It just isn't always in our timeline. It isn't always when we think it should happen or how we think it or should happen or, or the way we would plan it out if we were writing the script of our life. If we let him do it, he'll do it far better. Far better than we could have made it happen. Two full years, and Pharaoh had a dream. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I thank you, Father, that you are faithful, that you are good, and that you can do exactly what you said you'll do. So, Lord, with the things that you've spoke to our hearts, the things that you've promised us through your word, the things that you have hinted to us, however you've spoken to us, Father, we once again lay them at your feet. Because, Lord, they're your plans. They're not our plans. Lord, help us to be faithful where we're at right this moment. No matter where we are in this plan, Lord, whether we're at the beginning of the two full years or whether we're at the day before Pharaoh has a dream, Father, help us to be faithful right here, right now. Father, we humble ourselves before you. We yield ourselves to your leading and to your, to your care because, Lord, you are good. And you know exactly what needs to happen and you know exactly what we need to do. We submit our plans to you, Father. We commit them unto you and your word says that when we do that, you'll bless the work of our hands. Father, I commit my life once again to your care. I commit this church, this group of people to you once again. Because, Lord, you know what's best. And you're taking us where you want us to go. And we'll follow. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless. Have a wonderful week.